Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. Your Bibles go to Revelation chapter number 11. Revelation chapter number 11. And we will pick up where we were last week. And last week we finished looking at uh, fact number one on two prophets. We are now in the middle of what is called the tribulation period. It is a terrible time on earth. And we were introduced to two prophets, and we looked at fact number one last week, and that is this. The prophets are spiritually prepared. And we looked at the first part of Revelation chapter number 11, and we concluded last week with this thought. This thought is this, that we ought to have a heart that is broken for the multitudes who that are marching into hell. We live in a day and age where uh, our world is getting more wicked as every day goes by. And because our world is so wicked, uh, more and more people are dying and going to hell. And I wonder if it even impacts us uh, as we ended the message last week using a cycling illustration. And that illustration was simply this. is Before I started cycling, I never saw a cyclist. Never paid attention to them. I never looked at their bike. I never looked at a flag. But since I started cycling, I see every cyclist. I see what they're wearing, what bike they're driving. I look at every flag to see which way the wind is blowing. And I fear that we as Christians, here is our life today. We don't even see people anymore. We're going through life. We're living our life. We're going by people, but we no longer even see people anymore who are lost, dying, and going to hell. Well, here we are in the middle of tribulation. In the middle of the tribulation, two prophets, uh, they come onto the scene. And would you look with me in Revelation chapter 11, drop down to verse number 5. We're going to see the second fact regarding these two prophets. Here it is. The prophets are sovereignly protected. We look at, in spite of the grand chaos that is going on in the world, in spite of all of the tribulation that we've already looked at and identified as seals and trumpets, in spite of all of the abject wickedness that's going on, these two prophets are somehow protected from that. Would you look with me in Revelation chapter 11 and verse number 5? And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. Is this a literal fire? I think not. I think it speaks to the power of their word. You know, speaking of Jesus, when he comes again, the Bible says that he's going to have a a, a tongue that is like a two-edged sword, and it goes out of his mouth. I, I mean, do you really picture Jesus with a literal blade coming out of his mouth? I do not think. I think proverbially speaking what the Word of God is saying is this. The Word of God is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Here in the Bible it says fire comes out of their mouth to devour their enemies. Their words are sharp. And if the Bible goes on to say, and if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner 
be killed. Do you understand what the Bible is saying? If anyone touches these two prophets, they will be killed. Verse number 6. These have power to shut heaven. That word power there means authority, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. In other words, these two prophets, they are going to be tremendously powerful, and no man, no war machinery, no person can touch them as they are protected. Look at what the Bible is saying, that they have power over death. They have power over drought. They have power over disease. What is all of this talking about? Jesus said when he sent out his disciples into the, uh, into the world, he said this in the gospel in Luke chapter 10 and verse number 9, I give unto you power over all of the power of the enemy. And you say, well, what does that mean? that I don't have to be afraid of the devil, I'd like for you to listen to me this morning. And if everyone could look this way, here is the problem with Christians today. The devil is not afraid of us because we have lost our power and we've succeeded it to this world. But I say unto you, what, the, what Jesus is telling his disciples is that the devil ought to be afraid of us. The devil should be afraid of you because you have the power of the living God and called the Holy Spirit living within you. Well, here comes on this scene these men of power. Uh, who are these two witnesses? Well, notice the kind of power that they have. The Bible says they have power over plagues. And they have power over drought and so forth. And they remind us of two men of the Old Testament. Those two men are Elijah and Moses. And I think these two men come in the spirit of Elijah and Moses. And when we think of Elijah, we think of the prophets. And when we think of Moses, we think of the law. Now, what is the purpose of the law and the prophets? There's a body of literature in the Old Testament called the law or the Pentateuch. We know it as Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These two witnesses, they represent the law and they represent the prophets. Uh, some say that they are actually Moses and Elijah come back from, from the dead. Uh, be that as it may, the Bible doesn't say, you can't say for certainty and I can't say for certainty. But I will tell you this, the law and the prophets, they witness of this. And as our choir has sang, and as we have sang about, here is what the law and the prophets is all about, the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it. They witness of him. In Luke 24 and verse 27, Jesus said with his own words, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. Never make the mistake of thinking that the Old Testament is only about Judaism and the New Testament is only about Jesus. Friend, the Bible is all about Jesus Christ. The prophets are about Jesus. And these two men, these prophets, I think they represent the law and they represent the prophets. Now, if you remember in our earlier studies, as we've already gone through the first 
10 chapters of this book, uh, there were two false witnesses that, uh, that condemned the Lord Jesus Christ when he was crucified the first time. These witnesses, they, they represent all that is in the Bible, the law, and the prophets testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what is the principle here on this fact that they are protected? When I said that they are sovereignly protected, may I just say with the authority of the Word of God, the man of God and the woman of God in the will of God, speaking the Word of God, they're immortal until his work is finished. My friend, if you would understand the great power that is available to you, if you'll but submit your life and live in the will of God. Now, here's what I see. I believe that God's work done in God's way will never, ever be uh, uh, a wanting or lacking for God's provision and God's protection. These men, these two witnesses, these two prophets, they are sovereignly protected. Would you quickly notice with me a third fact about these two prophets? This is found in verse number 7. And this is where the title of the message comes from. These two prophets are satanically persecuted. These two prophets are satanically persecuted. In verse number 7, the Bible says, And when they shall have finished their testimony, if you mark in your Bibles or you're taking notes, I would encourage you to underscore that phrase, when they had finished their testimony. The Bible says the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them. And then the Bible says this, and kill them. The beast that comes out of the bottomless pit is the same one that will one day ultimately sit in the temple showing himself and declaring that he is God. And my friend, the entire world will believe that he is God on the basis that he kills these two prophets. Now, there are different descriptions of the Antichrist. Like many criminals, he, the Antichrist has many aliases. He's called the beast. He's called the man of sin. He's referred to as the son of perdition. He is called the wicked one. He's called the little horn. Here he is described as a beast coming out of the abyss. That is, he's going to be released. Do you know where he is today? Where he will be during this time? He will be in a bottomless pit. The Bible says, in your Bible that's right in front of you, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them. Who are the them? Who are the them? The two prophets. The beast. The Antichrist. This son and man of perdition, this wicked one, he's going to make war against two people. The Bible says in verse number 8, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which, is spiritually, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. Well, what is that? Sodom with its vice, Egypt with its vanity, and the Bible says where also our Lord was crucified. So what city are they talking about? The city of Jerusalem. My friends, Sodom and Egypt are yet but describing the city of Jerusalem. Now Jerusalem, we know today, it's a holy city. It's referred to as the holy city. But in the middle of the tribulation, at that three and a half year mark, 
This city has become the hellish, the center point of all wickedness. The city that crucified our Lord Jesus Christ. My friend, the Bible works together, I just said. The prophets come back to testify about one person, and that is Jesus Christ. This holy city is now described in Revelation chapter 11, verses 8 and following, like Sodom and Egypt. And they are of the people, and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. Do you understand what the Bible is saying? These two prophets will be killed. And they will lie in the street, in the heat of the day. And they will rot. And they will bloat. And they will be what the people celebrate over. And they that dwell upon the earth, in verse number 10, shall rejoice over them. And they shall make merry. And they shall send gifts one to another. Because the two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Friend, do you know what the torment was? These two prophets, they preached about Jesus Christ. Their crime, they told people about Jesus Christ. Now the fury of hell is going to burst forth on these two witnesses. I think they must not have been reading the modern books of user-friendly evangelism. There was something wrong with these two prophets. They did not sugarcoat the gospel they told people, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you will die and you will go to hell. And for that, they were tormented and they lost their lives for preaching the word of God. And there are always going to be people who do not like preachers and teachers who talk about the word of God. There are preachers who preach about Jesus and they're not going to win any popularity contests. Well, let me take you transport you to the middle of the tribulation period my friend if you know Jesus you won't be here if you don't know Jesus you might survive many of the seals and trumpet judgments that we've already discussed if you were to survive the persecution is only going to intensify. The hatred against those who are godly will intensify. The fury is going to come against these two witnesses and from Antichrist himself well, you say, now wait a minute, Brent, I have a problem. You just said a few moments ago that the man of God is immortal until he had finished the task that God has given him to do. Exactly, that is my point. Look with me again in Revelation chapter 11 and verse number 7. The Bible says, and when they shall have finished their testimony. That's when they are put to death. The Apostle Paul, one of the greatest missionaries who's ever lived, he had his head severed, but not before he said these words, I have finished my course. They nailed our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to the cross. He died in agony. His blood ran out of his body. He bowed his head, and in an audible voice that I imagined that was barely above a whisper, he said these words, It is finished it is finished you can find that in john 19 and verse number 30 so don't get the idea that the devil has won may i tell you the devil makes a lot of strategic blunders 
And here we see a strategic blunder. When a child of God, when a martyr dies, that doesn't mean the devil has won. It means that the devil is lost. He is lost. If you were to go to the next chapter, we'll get to that in the coming weeks. In chapter number 12 and verse number 11, it says, And they overcame him. That is, they overcame the Antichrist. They overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. Now listen, and they loved not their lives unto death. By dying, they overcame the devil. The devil didn't win when he killed these two witnesses. The Bible says they had finished their testimony. When they had finished their testimony, when the, the, the message was done, the Bible says they were killed. Now listen, and the killing of these two is going to catapult this beast of a man, this antichrist. By the way, he'll be handsome, he'll look good, he'll be attractive. Every word that comes out, the people will follow his feet to listen to. The antichrist is going to ascend great fame and popularity because he killed these two prophets. And it's at this time that he's going to be seen as the mighty one because he got written, he got rid of uh, these two tormentors who were constantly preaching a message of judgment. And they're going to take the dead bodies of these two witnesses and the Bible says they're going to leave them literally lying in the streets of Jerusalem. There's not going to be a decent burial the Bible says. Um, the Bible says they're going to stand over them. They're going to spit on them. They're going to kick those bodies. They're going to rejoice. I, I re reminded of some stories of yesteryear of what happened to Mussolini they gloated over his dead body. Some of you remember in the Iranian crisis where our Americans were killed. And the Iranians, they gloated over those dead bodies. And some of you remember that Wall Street reporter who was dismembered and killed. And the, and the people in, in the Middle East, they gloated over his body. I am reminded of what just recently happened when the former prime minister of Japan was, was senselessly assassinated. The entire country of China glorified, celebrated over the death of this former prime minister. My friend, that will be nothing in comparison to what happens to these two who will be martyred. You see, when this happens, there's going to be two men that are left dead in the street of Jerusalem. And the Bible says that all the world will see it. And you say, well, how could that be? There's some folks who are older. They're in their 80s and their 90s, and, and they remember a time. Uh, uh, they remember a time when uh, you actually had to push buttons or, or dial to call someone. That news was always in the next cycle because we couldn't see it live. My friend, have you ever heard of TikTok? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm saying that at any time, at any point, of any hour, of any second, of any day, you can see what's happening in the world. And this will be broadcast live and everyone will be glued to their telephones. Everyone will be watching and they will watch live the murder of these two uh, 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 prophets. And they will watch live for three plus days as these two dead men and everyone is filming them. Have you ever been to a festival? Have you ever been to a political rally when someone important is speaking? Have you ever been to a concert? What does everyone do? They don't enjoy the speaker. They don't enjoy the music. Everyone's got their phone up. And so if there's 60,000 people there, there's 58,000 videos of the exact same thing. 
My friend, that's what's going to happen in the tribulation, only it's going to be state-of-the-art. It's going to be in the next generation of high death, and everyone's going to be able to see live the murder of these two prophets. By the way, that's what the Bible says. The whole world will know it. And so this is happening. What we may have thought unthinkable yesteryear will be thinkable during this time period. Now, what is the lesson that we're going to learn here during this great tribulation? I'm telling you this morning that these coming events, they merely cast a shadow ahead of time, and we can expect increasing persecution for us who believe in Jesus Christ. And if you live for the Lord Jesus Christ, not everyone's going to love you. And by the way, that's okay. There's a fact number four about these two prophets. They're killed. But the Bible says they're supernaturally preserved. Oh, they're dead. But the Bible says they're supernaturally preserved. Here's this fourth fact. Look with me, verse 11 of Revelation chapter 11. And after three and a half uh, days there, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet. And great fear fell upon them which saw them. Now how many is going to see this? The whole world. Verse number 12. They heard a great voice from heaven coming to them. Hey, guys, come up here. That's what the Greek says. We don't use that word hither in our language today. But the God of heaven is going to look down at these two prophets. He says, come up here. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld. They were astonished. They were amazed. They had no explanation. Do you remember the story of Lazarus? Jesus wasn't there. And Lazarus' two sisters were really upset that Jesus did not have any urgency to come back and see their dead brother. And Jesus eventually makes it back. He wasn't concerned. He wasn't worried about it. But the two sisters were mourning their dead brother. And the Bible says this. Jesus was going to the cemetery to see where Lazarus was buried. And they're like, no, 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 you can't do anything. You can't bother him. For the Bible says he stinketh after three days. His body begins to decay. Remember, they do not use embalming. They're buried as soon as possible after death. These two prophets will not have been embalmed. These two prophets, their body will have begun to decay. They will stink. They will rot. They will bloat. And you know what the Bible says? Something supernatural is about to happen. I mean, these people are walking around. They're kicking them. They're spitting on them. They're looking at them. Uh, they are the dead bodies, bloated. Their skin's cracking. The sun is baking their bodies. Rigor mortis is setting in. Uh, they're pallid. They're decomposing. And then all of a sudden, there's a glow of life and glow of health that begins to change that that those uh, disgusting colors. And, and now it changes to a rosy color and a finger twitches. And a hand moves. And the limbs straighten. And the glow of health comes back into their face. And the Bible says they sit up. Man, that was a nice nap we just had. 
and they stand up and they dust themselves off and they no longer stink and on an amplified the best sound system this world has to offer the God of heaven says come on up here your work is finished and these two prophets who are supernaturally preserved they're going to be going up that direction and the world's going to be mystified. How in the world? They're going to defy every law of gravity. They're going to defy every biological law that comes to life because of what Jesus has done for them. Now, what's the lesson here? We need not fear ultimate destruction. We're preserved until our last task is finished. When our last task is finished, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I remind you, God has Satan on a leash. And he may be able to put us to death, but we're still going to be supernaturally preserved because if you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, the devil cannot ultimately kill you. Have you ever thought about this? What if I were to be persecuted unto death? What if someone were to say, if you do not die Christ, I will kill you. Would you have the courage to say, go ahead and kill me? No question about it. I love him. I believe in him. He's my Lord and Savior. Listen, if I'm not willing to die for him, what I'm doing today is really silly, foolish, a waste of your time, and you're wasting your time if Jesus isn't who he said he is. But there's coming a day that our faith could be counted with a cost up to death, separation from family. Until you're no longer afraid to die, you are not ready to live. There's a God in glory, and there's nothing the devil can ultimately do to you. And I want you to remember that. Uh, it, the fact of the matter is, is that you who have been saved, you are supernaturally preserved. You can never ultimately die. You have life eternal. Finally, this morning, our fifth fact is this. The prophets successfully prophesy. Now, they've already gone through these first four steps of their life, and I want you to learn something this morning that you can take from this message. This, the prophets, they successfully prophesied. They didn't fail. They succeeded. Look with me in verse number 13 and verse number 14. And the same hour there was a great earthquake, and the tenth part of the city fell. And in the earthquake they were slain of men, 7,000. And the remnant were affrighted means they were afraid they were scared silly and they gave glory to the god of heaven and the second woe is past and behold the third woe cometh quickly here are the people they suddenly decided it was good to glorify god now that does not mean they were saved it just meant this they had to admit that there was a god and that he was real Pharaoh had to do that. I remind you that Saul had to do that. The demons in hell even say that one day they will glorify God. The Bible says that, that, that the demons hear Scripture and they tremble. My friend, there's coming a day when the 
But when the prophets have shared their message, they have successfully preached the word of God, that the entire world will have to acknowledge that God is who he says he is. And the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. But the point is that these witnesses will have witness. They have, they, have, they have given glory to God. And if you're a preacher, you're a teacher, you're a Christian, you love the Lord, don't be naive enough to think that every time you share the gospel, someone's get to, going to get saved. But here's what we must do. We must share the gospel. We are not excused from that because the Bible says the gospel is like a two-edged sword. It cuts. It's a saber of life unto life and death unto death. I am successful today in preaching this message. If you've heard the message, God will hold you responsible for what you do with the message. And also God will hold you responsible for the message that you chose not to hear because you were distracted or thinking about something else. The Bible is a saber of life unto life and death unto death. Listen to Ezekiel 55 and verse 11. What an encouragement it is to me. The Bible says this, My word shall not return void unto me. What a great verse. Do you know that when we proclaim the word of God, God is honored. And the only thing the preacher and the teacher has to really determine and the soul winner really has to determine is I've, I've been faithful to the word of God. And the rest of it is none of our business. It's up to God. He's the one who draws. He's the one who sends the Holy Spirit to, to pull that person toward him. But we are without excuse if we're not willing to share the gospel. Just like these two prophets. Don't you think it would have been easy for these two prophets just the first time they heard that they were going to die to say, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I'm with you guys, really. I don't want to die. Wouldn't it have been easy for these two prophets to, to be quiet really quick when they were counted? Uh, 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 the cost of preaching the message of, of God may be death. It would have been real easy for them to have still lips. Oh, how easy we have it. Literally, no one's going to shoot you for sharing the gospel. Literally, no one's going to cut you with a knife for sharing the gospel. Literally, no one is going to uh, put you in jail for sharing the gospel. But yet, we find all excuses and all manner of reasons why we can't share the gospel. Thank you for listening this morning. My time is finished. But I want to remind you of this. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 and verse number 12, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I ask you this morning, are you on the winning side? If you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, we are on the winning side. And when we read this story, and when we hear about these two prophets, and when we hear about what happened in their life, of course there's lessons that we can learn. Of course there are things that we can learn. Here is the lesson. I can never be ashamed of Jesus Christ. I can never be ashamed of my relationship with the Lord. I can never be ashamed that he has saved me. He's given me a, a life eternal. As I told our new members class, maybe for some of them, they're newer Christians, and it's really hard for them to witness right now. It's really hard for them to tell someone else about Jesus. At least invite them to church, and we'll tell them. Let's be faithful. Let's tell others about Jesus Christ. Let's be like the two prophets. They were phenomenally successful when they told others about Jesus Christ because the whole world heard. By the way, one day the whole world will be without excuse. Would you take a moment to bow your head and
close your eyes as I just share a final thought with you as you're meditating, thinking about this message. Have you ever said yes to Jesus?